Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. This morning we're continuing our study of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 in our series on the seven qualities of transformational faith. Uh, With our faith relationship with Jesus as our firm foundation, the Apostle Peter exhorts us to add a generous supply of goodness or virtue. Let's go to the next slide. 2 Peter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. The English Standard Version says it this way, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. New American Standard says, For this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence. Because God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, And because God has called us to experience His own glory and excellence, and because God has blessed us with precious and very great promises, and because the promises of God have enabled us to become partakers of His divine nature, Peter invites us to diligently, fervently, even enthusiastically to make every effort to add virtue as a building block on the foundation of faith. Let's go to the next slide. Faith is our foundation. Very clearly, we have to have that relationship with God through Christ by faith. Uh, Jesus is the one that provides the way for us to enter into relationship with the Father. And then growing in faith, we embrace the seven qualities that Peter describes in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we apply them or add them to our lives in increasing measures. We are to add these on your faith or to your faith, add, and then we list all these qualities. To some degree, we could picture that all seven of these qualities ought to just come sort of naturally to people of faith. Because when we, when we love Jesus, he's working in our hearts, he's transforming our lives, he's helping us uh, to live for him. And so these things should sort of come naturally, but often we confess they don't. Uh, We struggle with some of these. And so we are being asked to embrace them, to lean into them. Peter exhorts us to add them to our faith because he wants us to be both diligent and intentional in practicing these qualities. Uh, He's not suggesting that we occasionally practice the qualities whenever the mood strikes, but rather he's saying to do this all the time, give ourselves to this uh, intentionally. Uh, practice these qualities, give ourselves wholeheartedly to being people of virtue and so forth. And we'll see this as we dig into verse 5 a little bit more. Let's go to the next slide. The different translations speak similarly of the effort we should make. One of the translations says, make every effort. Another says, applying all diligence. In other words, uh, to truly invest ourselves intentionally and enthusiastically, giving ourselves to all these qualities. The translations variously call for us to build goodness onto our faith uh, in our lives, uh, or words like supply, add, or supplement. 
Last week, we mentioned how the concept of supply is to supply lavishly, abundantly, to go over the top. So it's not just, well, I'll give a little goodness here, but I want to do goodness all the time for the glory of the Lord. In verse 5, Peter calls us to abundantly supply or add goodness, virtue, or moral excellence to our faith. So what is goodness or virtue? One thesaurus synonym for virtue is moral excellence, as is used by the translators of the New American Standard Bible. The dictionary says that virtue is the quality of doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. Most people understand virtue as a trade or quality that is deemed to be morally good. So we see that virtue speaks of good morality, not just something that is done well. So we sometimes in our society will talk about people's different strengths and talk about them as virtues, and strengths are great, but virtue is also about what is good, what is good. And I want you to notice something important comparing the verse that we have on the screen, verse 5, with verse 3 in our scriptures. Verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. See that word, goodness. And we are to add goodness onto our faith. Those words in the original language are identical. They are the same. This intentional word connects the goodness that we are to add to our faith to the goodness of God Himself. In other words, we are to be a reflection. As we experience the goodness of God, we're to share that goodness with others. When people see Christians acting virtuously, they should be glimpsing a beautiful reflection of the goodness or moral excellence of our God. Let's go to the next slide. Notice this promise of verse 8. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All Christians are called to live like Jesus, to become more and more more and more like Jesus in our everyday lives, in our hearts, our decisions, our actions. Our heart's desire is to be more and more like Jesus. Jesus, help us to be more like you. Help us to respond as you would respond. Lord, give us a heart for others as you have. We long for that. Uh, so we have that intention. But here we want to intentionally, purposefully, and diligently practice Goodness, doing the good, choosing the good. Uh, to do this with increasing measure, more today than we did yesterday and even more tomorrow, that we're giving ourselves to doing that which is good. Then we know that we will be growing in effectiveness and fruitfulness as disciples of Jesus. The New Living Translation of verse 5 says it this way, supplement your faith with a generous provision of virtue. Uh, if you're old enough that you've watched the Beverly Hillbillies, you know that they talked about a heaping helping of hospitality on that every time at the beginning song. Well, this is talking about uh, that we are to supplement your faith with a generous provision or a heaping helping of goodness, of goodness. So it's saying lean into goodness with all uh, your enthusiasm, diligence, and energy. There's an indication of eagerness here that we want to do this. 
doing good, selecting what is right, avoiding what is wrong. It's not a drudgery. It's not something that we have to do, but rather this is what we want to do. It's a thrilling desire. We love to do good things. Even uh, we do those good things and we do so all the more to please the Father and to reflect His character and His nature. This isn't a command that we have to do, but it's what we want to do, what we love to do. Dedicate yourselves to do things, virtuous things, excellent things. We long to do good, to bless others, to live as examples of courage in moral living. And we dedicate ourselves to do it. Dedicating ourselves to virtue, to goodness. This also means that we sometimes are sacrificing some things in order to put the needs of others ahead of our own. We're willing to do that because we're choosing the good. We're choosing to do good. We're choosing to act with good. In the workplace, you will experience pressures to make yourself look good at the expense of others or to shift blame away from yourself to other people or maybe even to fudge the numbers and so forth. There's lots of pressures in the workplace to do things that we know inside really are not right. But there's a lot of pressure to do that, to conform and to go that way. Virtue says no to those types of pressures and is courageous in doing what is right and good even when it costs us. In our increasingly amoral, amoral meaning a world without morals, a world with little thought of what is truly right or wrong, the majority seems to agree that certain former so-called immoral behaviors are now okay. They're acceptable and even celebrated, either because everyone is doing them or at least a majority of people seem to say that's okay. But virtue resists destructive behaviors and instead chooses those that are positive and edifying. In other words, those that will build us up. Consider the story of Eric Little, a believer, a famous Olympian from Scotland, a believer from a very conservative Christian background. He was a very fast runner who also happened to be committed to serving God with his life as a missionary. Before he went to be a missionary, uh, while he was still in college, he was a runner and he got to go to the Olympics. His sister, Betsy, saw that this running was taking so much of his time. She said, it's interfering with your call to missions. And Eric replied, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. So he ran for the glory of God. He felt God's presence with him as he ran. When Eric made it to the Olympics and discovered that the initial heats uh, for his race were being held on a Sunday, which would violate his conscience. He chose to withdraw for the particular race, even though the rest of the sports world and even the politicians were pressuring him, just this once, just this once, it's okay, just do this. But he would not. And whether you agree with his standard or not, Eric Little intentionally chose to honor God above his own desires or temptations. Eric Little chose virtue. And after Olympic gold in a race that had its heats on another day, he, was a, he went on to live his life as a missionary in China. Virtue, let's go to the next slide. Virtue chooses the good. Virtue chooses the good. 
In our society's increasingly confusing moral malaise, how can we identify actions of virtue or those that are good? Here are some simple questions that we can ask ourselves. So I'm going to give you two major questions that we can ask, and then I want you to give some questions we can ask. So get ready. Okay. Does our behavior reflect the moral excellence or goodness of God? So our moral goodness is rooted in God's goodness. And we discover what is truly good and moral from God himself as he has revealed himself in his heart, in his word, and also in his creation. So does our behavior line up with the heart of God? Secondly, will my actions honor the Lord? That's what Eric Little was wanting to honor the Lord. So he did not run the one day, but he did run another. So when you're invited to participate in something, pause a moment and ask God for direction. Holy Spirit, what do you think about this opportunity or this decision? Will this honor God if I participate? Or conversely, will my participation in some way dishonor God? What about if you're asking those questions and you don't seem to get a clear answer? You don't know whether it will honor or not honor God. This may be a gray area where you have freedom to choose uh, whether you decide to participate or not. So those are two general questions. Let me give them to you again. Uh, does our behavior reflect the moral excellence or goodness of God? And then will my actions honor the Lord? Okay, so those are some really broad questions. Now, do you have some questions we might ask to help us identify something as good or virtuous? And speak it out loudly enough that I can hear it so I can repeat it. You're offered an opportunity. How do you know what to do? Whatever other people tell you. Pray about it. Yes. Will my choice or action cause others to stumble? Will it harm them in some way? Would I want my actions to be on the front page of a newspaper? An older way of saying that uh, from probably 40 years ago was, would I want to be doing this when Jesus returns? Well, you know, what if I'm doing this when Jesus returns? Yes? How do we know we're doing the right thing? You know, we're asking, yeah. Asking the question itself. Just pausing and asking that question. Sometimes it might be just that really small nudge from the Holy Spirit. This doesn't feel right. Does it feel right? Now, to just say, does it feel right, and that's your only question, isn't going to be too good because we can deceive ourselves. But if we're really seeking the Lord's direction and something doesn't feel right, that should be taken seriously and say, if it doesn't feel right, I'm not going that direction. 
There's been lots of times when I've, I've come to, a, to something that's needing a decision, and I think, well, I will. And then I'd say, oh, I'll go ahead. And then you know it wasn't the right decision. If it feels like it's not right, don't do it. And as I've grown, as I've matured, and I'm still getting there, uh, I've learned to do those things. I know, I'm old. But uh, still, you're still learning, still learning. So we, to choose what is good, to do what is good, this takes wisdom from the Lord. We take guidance from His Word. There are some times when I've heard people uh, ask questions about what is right or wrong when the Bible clearly tells us. So if it already tells us there, we don't have to pray real long about it because the Scriptures are for our good and they tell us the heart of God. So we go in obedience to the Word of God. But it's in those times when we don't know for sure, when we're not confident. We ask ourselves these questions about honoring God. Will it hurt anyone else? Uh, Does my action reflect the heart of God? Uh, All of these things, just pausing. Does it feel right in God's sight? We give ourselves. And always, we will do well to discover the heart of God through His Word, the Scriptures. I want to read some scriptures to you about choosing the good. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Micah 6, verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we are encouraged to do what is good and pleasing in the sight of God and to keep on doing what is good. Never give up on doing good, even when it feels like a losing battle. We continue to do good. We continue to reflect the goodness of God. Do good to all people, people who agree with you and people who oppose you people who share your values, and people whose values are diametrically opposed to you. Uh, This requires an intentional decision to add virtue to our faith. Because we'd rather battle it out. But we ask God, Lord, give us virtue. Help us to do good to all people. Do good in ever-increasing ways. A heaping helping of virtue, moral excellence, and goodness. 
Our primary verse, verse 5, in the living, New Living Translation says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. So on behalf of Jesus, as he spoke these words through Peter, I invite you to lean into, to embrace, to be intentional in choosing virtue, choosing the good, choosing that which is morally excellent. We confess together our weakness, how easily we stumble and go the way of the world. But we ask Jesus for His heart, His strength, His spirit to choose what is right. I invite you to remember that our faith relationship is the foundation on which we can build or add goodness. And I invite you to look for opportunities to do good for others, for our community, and for our world.